Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. My name is Greg McKinney, and I am uh, the lead pastor here at Glory Church. And uh, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to tell you, uh, it is a strange week for me and my family and our team. This past week we launched, and it was awesome. If you were there, we had eight uh, people come to know Jesus that morning, and then it was so interesting. Then this next week, uh, more than... <laughs> More than a dozen of our team fell ill to the flu, myself included. And so uh, I, I am here at probably 78% is what I told the team, and I'm, I'm chugging along through it. Don't worry, I germexed my hand before I shook anyone's hand. I promise um, you are hopefully going to be safe. Everyone last week was not safe for some reason. Um, but we're here. When you came in, uh, you hopefully set on or near a Connect card. Uh, if you would like to to draw your attention to it, that would be great. Uh, This card is just that. It's the way that we can connect with you and and you guys to us. And so if you stick with us at Glory Church, you will see this card or a rendition, some version of it uh, each week. And it's a way for you to get plugged in. But I want to draw your attention if you, this is your first time, the very bottom of that connect side. It says, I would like to join, uh, I would like to come to the Vision Lunch. Uh, We are going to have a, uh, what we call Vision Lunch, just what are the values, the core values of of Glory Church, what are we all about, and that is next week, and the best part is, it'll be right after the service, we'll have extended time for kids, uh, so they'll be taken care of, and we are giving and serving uh, Church's Chicken, so We'll take care of your belly, all right, while you hear about Glory Church, all right? It's, but that is our promise to you. We're excited uh, to be able to share the values of Glory Church. We have six core ones, uh, core values, and I, my hope is that that is already felt uh, as you experience uh, who we are and what God is doing. Um, but I'm excited. This morning we are starting, as uh, Colin already mentioned, we're starting a new series over the book of Daniel. So I don't know if you brought a Bible or uh, you have a phone with a Bible app, but you will use it. We will open it up uh, soon and very soon. So get that ready. If you like to take notes, feel free to get that ready. Um, I am excited. Uh Daniel is an interesting one. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Daniel, but it is a collection of some pretty bold stories. So as we get into this, uh, I just have a question for you. How daring, so the title of this series is Daring, how daring would you say that your faith is? How daring? I'm going to get down here so I'm not too high. We've got enough room. How daring would you say that your faith is? Maybe another way to say it is, how bold do you feel like your faith is? Or we could say, how courageous would a friend say that your faith is? How courageous, how confident would your family say that your faith is? How daring is your faith? It's a question that is constantly going to be hitting us as we dive into this book of Daniel. It is uh, an Old Testament prophecy slash storybook that is full of some amazing things. We will, in the next few weeks, cover uh, the the moment when Daniel discovers he can interpret visions to the the moment when uh, Shadrach Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are told to bow and they don't, so they get thrown into the furnace 
right? We're going to hear and read the stories of Daniel surviving in the lion's den, all of that, and it's going to be bold, daring, but we cannot not ask ourselves that question. How daring are we? How daring is our faith? And so I'm excited. Uh, An ongoing theme throughout the whole book, a little spoiler, will constantly show us that you and I cannot have a daring faith, a a courageous faith apart from God. Like that's just not going to happen. And we see that in the characters in this book. And, and the beautiful thing is that tied throughout is this kingdom focus that, that we see as the chapters go on that the kingdom of man is constantly spiraling downward as, as God is establishing something real over time. And what I'm excited is that in a few weeks, we will end this series on Easter, the moment when the king showed himself victorious. And so I'm pumped. I'm pumped to be able to to travel through this book and then end on Easter Sunday talking. We're quickly going to figure out that we all fall into the trap of living merely in a place called situational bravery. Situational bravery. It's, it's, you know, that that situation that where you are confident because you know exactly what you're doing and the way that you're doing it. It's those areas in life when we step in and we're competent in it strictly because we know our competence level is very excellent at it. Situational bravery is we, we are brave in the places where we know we're brave in, and that is it. Situational bravery is something we often live in because that is where we know, that's where we're confident, that's where we're courageous, that's where we're comfortable, that's where we feel the most in charge, and that is where we often camp. But the most harmful thing about situational bravery is that it conditions us to never leave behind our zones of comfort, our comfort. And that's what Daniel is all about. If we want to have a daring faith, it will push us consistently out of comfort. But you and I like to be situationally brave, where we can control the areas that we want to go into. And we're not going to go there because we're not good in that zone. We're not good in that area. And so we like to stay in our bubbles. We're situationally brave. So we end up creating a fortress of our own doing. Happy, confident, competent, and sadly we in that place become our own source of strength. We become our foundation of courage, and we stay there. The book of Daniel is going to combat that again and again and again in us, that we cannot live a daring faith if we constantly stay out uh, of anything that is uncomfortable. We We cannot leave our comfort too often. We get stuck there. And so, Daring is going to teach us this book. It's constantly going to show us that we are on our own, always going to get stuck in a place. And in full disclosure, uh, God has already taught me about this this week. Uh, You see, take this note. We'll say this again and again. When God wants to teach us a bravery apart from situations, he will allow our comfort to crumble. So I said I was about 78%, and I'm not joking. I am exhausted. I still am achy. I have no fever, so don't worry about that. But I might cough a lot because on Tuesday morning, uh, I woke up with a high fever, myself and my two-year-old, and uh, we got the flu. And so my family was down. By that time, I had no idea that uh, over a dozen other people in our, our group got it. I don't know if you've had the flu this year. 
it's terrible. In fact, I told my wife, like, uh, I don't think I've ever had the flu. And she goes, Greg, I'm pretty sure you've had the flu. I was like, no, I would, I would know this misery. All right. I would know this. This is bad. And uh, she's like, you're a baby. And I'm, I'm wasting away, Kate. <laughs> she doesn't understand. Of course, she didn't get it. So that's, that stinks. Um, but uh, what happened is that's Tuesday morning, living with uh, fever all Tuesday, Wednesday, and then instantly Thursday comes. Thursday evening, I'd break the fever, and we're laying down to bed. Of course, now my two-year-old is worse, and our other, other kids, we have three other ones, uh, and, and they're getting it and not feeling very well themselves, and Kate's going strong. And so I laid in bed, and I said something um, that instantly... God punched me in the face with. I said, it's okay, Kate. We got this. And almost instantly, I felt the Holy Spirit say, no, you do not. No, you do not. I will tell you that way too often, I lean in on my situational bravery. Do you know what that is for me? I am super brave on this stage. I am. And often it's because I have uh, a lot of a lot of practice at it, often it's because I have a whole week of readiness. Well, I could tell you on Thursday, I was a whole lot of stress because all of the to-dos that I had planned on Monday, less than half of them were made because I was on the couch the whole time. Uh, and, And God just reminded me in that moment, I am going to let your comfort crumble. I'm going to let your comfort crumble. You don't have this and you need to stop thinking that you do, because I'll tell you what is comfortable to me is to have at the end of the week, look, and all of my to-dos for that week are crossed off, right? Anyone else? My, my comfort is to be able to stand up right here knowing that I've had hours upon hours of readiness. I've, I've got it good to go. What is comfortable to me is to look back and see my wife out there, what is comfortable, and God is like, I need to shake you up, because without this, what's your confidence going to be? Because at the end of the day, Glory Church does not need a competent, charismatic leader. You need a humble servant. And God humbled me. I'll be honest. He humbled me. Too often I can lean in my confidence at these external sources. We all can. We get confident in the things that we can comprehend. And when it's not what we thought it was anymore, when our situation changes and it becomes rocky and shaky, our confidence drops. That's because our bravery was never found in something that is standing, always standing. Our bravery was not found in something secure, and God is trying to teach us again and again a daring faith apart from our situations. And yet you and I, we struggle, but God let my comfort crumble. And that is exactly what God is doing to the the Israelites and Daniel as we open it up. All right, he's about to let their comfort crumble. And and he actually warns them about this in the book of Jeremiah. So before we even open up Daniel, those of you who were there ready, we're going to get a little prophetic and read Jeremiah. Sound good? Um, Because he speaks something through the prophet Jeremiah to the king at the time without no change. And then Daniel happens. Because this warning was not heard No action was made from it, and so then the book of Daniel starts in the way that it does. So we're going to open up to Jeremiah chapter 22 and dive in. It says, this is what the Lord says, Jeremiah chapter 
22, and I think it's verse 3. This is what the Lord says, do what is just and right. Rescue the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Do not wrong or violence the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. For if you are careful to carry out these commands, then kings who sit on David's thrones throne will come through the gates of this palace, riding in chariots and on horses, accompanied by their officials and their people. But if you do not obey these commands, declares the Lord, I swear by myself that this palace will become a ruin. And then at the very end of the chapter, it says this, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, even if you, Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were a signet ring on my right hand, I would still pull you off. I will deliver you into the hands of those who want to kill you, those you fear. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon and the Babylonians, I will hurl you and the mother who gave you birth into another country where neither of you was born, and there you both will die. He's telling them, live a life that is just and right. And then it's so funny because this happens, and then literally less than a few years, Daniel takes place, and these exact things are about to happen. But this is what he's wanting. Do what is right. Take care of the oppressed. Do something more than what feeds your ego, Israel. Do something more than what your fortress wants. Go outside of that. Take care of the the oppressed, the hurting, the innocent. He's trying to tell them to do something more than what they, their flesh, deems as comfortable. And yet they didn't. You see, we see the opposite take place in Israel. If you know anything about them, uh, they became strong and mighty. Jerusalem became a fortress in in and of itself, and their strong army made them brave. All the pleasures in life made them brave. The greatness uh, of their influence made them competent. The options of all the satisfaction that they could have made them happy and comfortable and brave. And how often are you and I there? The greatness of our season makes us brave and excited. And we stop leaning on the need that we actually have of a God, of a Savior. The health of our family, not mine, of course, but the health of your family makes you brave and you forget the need of a a Savior. We do this often. We fall into this habit of, of getting situationally confident, situationally brave. And yet, this seems logical when we look at the Israelites. They wandered in a desert for 40 years, and the, the things that they knew were instability, like instability and unassurance. Uh, they had no assurance of what was next, what was coming. They, they had no stability in their home. And so you better believe they would, they would think, I will be brave. We will have arrived when we have stability, when we have assurance. And then it comes, and they think that is it. But God's wanting to teach them something outside of that. And I will tell you, if God is going to do something in our families, if he's going to do something in our streets, if he's going to do something in our city, then we have to look beyond what we think is comfortable, what we think uh, is, is currently uh, strong and, and has it should be, and actually start asking God, where is my courage? Is it in what I have? Is it in what, what satisfactions I live with now? Or is it in you, period? And so, like us, on too many occasions, they were banking on external things to provide them with strength. And so God intervenes. Chapter 1 of Daniel. 
two verses. That's all we're going to read today because you're going to find something insane. Chapter 1 of Daniel, it says, In the third year, the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord let King Jehoiakim of Judah fall into his power, as well as some of the vessels of the house of God. I would read more this morning, but I don't want to spoil what is next week. In fact, these two verses literally let us know everything. It is the, the dropping of the first domino to set the scene for everything to come in the rest of the book of Daniel because the scene changes. Israel is no longer mighty and strong and powerful. They, on their high, high horse, high, strong fortress, crashes, and instantly they are besieged. Their power is gone. Everything of their freedom, gone. Their, their money, gone. Their, their satisfaction, gone. Their pleasure, gone. Their, their, their power, gone. Their safety, gone. And instantly it all crumbles because when God wants to teach you a bravery apart from situation, he will allow your comfort to crumble. And he did so to Israel just so that we could see what a daring faith is. And I will tell you, a lot of the men of Israel still missed it for a while. A lot of them missed it. But notice the wording. It says that the Lord let Jehoiakim fall. This is the most powerful thing. The Lord let him fall. It doesn't say that Nebuchadnezzar had more power and so he took, uh, he took all of Judah. No, Jerusalem was powerful. But the Lord let it fall. The Lord lets us crumble. I don't know if you, you've said in that. Have you ever had a moment where you thought that you, uh, you had it all figured out? It's that moment when the high school football player who is all, ab all about himself and, and God allows a broken leg to teach him humility and power and to come to him. And God allows something like that to bring life change. It's very interesting how God allows these hard things to happen so that we discover a courage, a confidence, a name that is not found in, in what we thought it was, but something so much more. And this is what is happening to Judah. And I wonder if it's happened to you. Maybe it's happening now. Maybe you're in a hard season, a hard place. Can I tell you that the most beautiful part of this is the word for Lord here. This is the first time and the only time in chapter 1 of Daniel where the, Lord, the word Lord means Adonai. Every other time it's Elohim, which is this personal God. So when we read about Daniel and, and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they follow the one true God or Elohim, and, and, and it's this personal God. But here it's saying Adonai, and it's this word for God that means master, Lord, sovereign one. And so it's literally saying the sovereign one is changing the, the power. It looks like the power is changing, that, that Nebuchadnezzar is winning, that you are defeated, but the sovereign one did it, meaning that he is still in charge. It's the beautiful moment when, when it feels like Nebuchadnezzar and all hope is lost, but Adonai, Adonai is really in charge. And I, I think that that was the most a uh, peaceful thing when I came to this humbling realization on Thursday that my, 
my confidence uh, was found in self for too much, too long. Too much of my confidence was, was founded on, on my, my gifts or my ability to handle things. But God in this moment said, no, Greg, I'm allowing this to happen, but I am sovereign. And I am doing it, but I'm here, and I've got work to do, and I will do work, whether half of your team is gone sick too or not. Like, things will happen, and I am at work. I am the Lord, the sovereign one. And even though it feels like Nebuchadnezzar is in power, Adonai is. And this begs us to do a little digging of our own. Uh, I wrote this down for perhaps the current crumble that you are experiencing is not because the enemy is more powerful. Maybe your life has been really difficult right now. God has been shaking things up, and you've been like, well, God, what is going on? And you, you've been thinking that it's just because the situation maybe is too powerful, or the pain is too powerful, or that bad news was too powerful, or the struggle was too powerful. But really, maybe it's God is finished with our passive and selfish comfort. What if that's it? What if it has nothing to do with power at all or nothing to do with anything other than God saying, I need you out of your comfort zone. And for a while, you've been passive. You've been passive. For a while, you've allowed selfishness to set in and you have not extended yourself further uh, than you want to go. But I want you to go further. And so I'm going to allow this crumble to happen. And we see in, in, in the book of Daniel, they, uh, he allows a crumble to happen. They get moved completely to a new place, an unknown territory, and it is there that they have to operate and live. And they're going to be taught some weird things, some new things. We'll read that next week. And they're, they're going to be challenged to do things that are different than they grew, grew up with. And only a few of them are going to be brave in it. But God is, is doing something each and every time he allows our comfort to crumble, the sovereign one is the one who allows the storm to happen. My team, if you remember this, uh, early on in launch season, we talked about the storm, uh, the storm that happened in scripture uh, where uh, Jesus and the disciples were on the boat. Do you all remember that? Uh, and, and the storm takes place and the disciples are, are, are freaking out, worried and fearful and anxious. And Jesus wants them to start feeling outwardly the thoughts that they've had for a long time. They've been with Jesus for a while, and they've seen him do the miraculous. But this one moment when he's sleeping and bad things are happening, now they're believing we're going to die. This is it. This is it. He's not here. He, he, he's not going to save us. We're going to die. And I fully believe that the fears that the storms brought up were not created by the storms that night. There, there were fears and worries and doubts that were already there long before. As the disciples moved and ate with Jesus and were wondering the whole time, did I make the right decision to follow this guy? And now they're watching as the storms are getting crazy and they're like, I made the wrong decision to follow this guy. And I believe that often Jesus allows our comfort to crumble so that he showcases things in us that were always there before, but they were just under the surface. And the fear, the worry, the doubt, the, the things that you're screaming out loud when it happens, those are the things he wants 
to show you the opposite of his power. And so you see in an instant, he wakes up and says, peace be still and the storm ends. It is the sovereign one who allows it to happen. The sovereign one allows our comfort to crumble. The sovereign one is allowing you in current defeat. But rest assured, the sovereign one is still sovereign and leading. And he cares about our good and his glory. And so it's in the crumble, I wrote this down, that he breaks down our false sense of hope and he reminds us of what really we should put our courage, our hope on, the solid rock that he is. So I'm going to ask you this question, what passive or selfish comforts could God be trying to prune away in you? What, sa- what passive or selfish comforts could God be trying to, to, to prune away in your life? Like I fully believe that as we step into being daring in our faith, uh, willing to go places that you, not, you, not would, have, you would not have gone before, uh, willing to step into situations that you definitely would not have stepped in before, he's going to ask you what passive things do you need to prune away? My prayer is that God teaches us a daring faith. But before we ever even get into the characters of Daniel, we have to own this. Daring faith will do a couple of things, and then we're going to end. And this is where I want to get practical for you. Daring faith will always open our eyes to the need of stretching our arms. This is a little, little wordy, but I chose the words for a very important reason. A daring faith will oh, it'll always open our eyes to the need of stretching our arms beyond where we are accustomed to stretching. Where the oppressed will start, they will start to be freed. Where you will start caring for the needs of those who are hurting. Where the innocent, the widowed, the, the orphans will be taken care of. That's literally what uh, God is telling them in the book of Jeremiah. That is the warning. You should do what is right. He's telling the king, Jehoiakim, you need to stretch your arms further than you are are currently stretching. A daring faith will always lead us to do that, to fight for the oppressed, to speak up for the marginalized, the ostracized. Uh, uh, You see, we love calling God the divine comforter, but we forget that we feel his divine comfort through leaving behind our comfort. Can I tell you that again? We often love to call God the divine comforter because he is, right? He's the great comforter of our needs. He, he heals us when we're hurting. But we forget that we experience God as the comforter when we leave behind our comfort because he's not in our comfort zones. He's not in our places uh, of comfort. Yet all of us, we like to sit in the couch of comfort and not stand up in faith. And, and those are two very different things. We're in a country where, where Christianity uh, is, is said, it is uh, professed to be at its core. But yet, still to this day, uh, abuse, verbal, sexual, uh, racism, injustice, poverty, systematic racism goes unmentioned and undealt with. We pray comfort over it. We pray for, for the comforter to heal it, but we forget that in order for change to happen, it often causes us to get a little uncomfortable in what we choose to talk about, a little uncomfortable in where we choose to go. 
uncomfortable in what we, who we choose to live with, uh, how we choose to, to, who we choose to interact with. And for a while, the church hasn't done that. As a whole, we like to pray comfort, but not get into the nitty-gritty dirtiness of actually experiencing his comfort. I wrote this down, uh, that we forget that the daring life will always lead us out of our safety boxes and into a life that is messy, generous, vulnerable, authentic, real, raw. And that's when the divine comforter steps in. So how is he asking you to, to reach further than you would typically reach? How is he asking you to get out of your comfort zone and reach a little bit further? And then the last one that I want to end with is a daring faith will give us a growing interest in praying for the unfathomable. I'll tell you, we do not pray because we're not daring. I do not pray enough because I'm not daring enough. I'm not daring enough. So my prayers go associated to very tangible things that I can perceive or things that I'm thankful for in the day or things that I, that I hope will happen. But there's no, there's no interest in my mind to pray for things greater than me because I forget that God himself has called me to take out, take out my frustration, my fears, my worries, and put them aside and believe. A daring faith will always cause us to pray things that maybe right now we don't believe in. But like that, that, that dad in the, in the Gospels, we say, I, I don't believe, but help my unbelief. Like, I want to believe. Uh, so, Jesus, I'm going to pray this. I'm going to pray this because I know it's in line with what you want. It's bigger than I can think. It's bigger than the things that I can do. How many times do you and I pray for things that we ourselves can achieve on our own? It's like a, the high school kid who says, God, let me get an A on this. All right, dude, you can do that on your own, right? Like, I, I was a youth pastor for a while, and I'm like, you're praying, but you're not studying. Like, that's stupid. Uh, you can't pray for an A on a test and then not study for it. Uh, that's just, we need to stop praying for things that we ourselves can achieve. We need to start praying for things that we cannot achieve. I'll tell you, I cannot achieve speaking a good sermon this morning because I am I'm just tired, but what God can achieve is to speak through me this morning. And that is something that we have to learn is that he is using us in incredible ways if we would get out of our comfort zone. If we would get out of our comfort zone. And so this is what I'm going to leave you with because for some of you, God is calling you to do something different this week than last week to not just do the same route to work each day, to go through the same motions of, of uh, crossing off the, the to-do lists and everything that, that is in your comfort zone, but perhaps he's leading you to go care for people, to, to reach a little further than you would actually extend your arms over before and care, love. How could you do that this week? Perhaps he's asking you to pray for the sake of your marriage, pray. For the sake of your family, pray. For the sake of your friends, pray something unfathomable. A lot of us have un, unsaved friends. When is the time that we stopped praying for them? It was a long time ago, wasn't it? When are we going to get daring enough to actually start praying enough? 
I want to be a daring husband who prays. I want to be a daring dad who prays. But whatever it may be, I'm excited to take this journey with you. My hope is that over time, God grows and transforms. My prayer is that at the end of this, he has done immeasurably more things than I could ever hope or imagine or, or conceive in my own mind. And I believe that he can. I believe that he can. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.